This is Talk RL Podcast. All reinforcement learning, all the time. Interviews with brilliant folks from across the world of RL. I'm your host, Robin Chohan. Professor Jean is currently a research assistant professor at the Institute for AI Industry Research at Tsinghua University. He received his PhD degree at Purdue University. Before joining Tsinghua University, Professor Jean worked as a researcher at Microsoft Research Asia and a data scientist at JD Technology. At JD Technology, he led the research that uses offline RL to optimize real-world industrial systems. Welcome, Professor Jean. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Robbie. And how do you describe your research interests? Uh, so my current research interest uh, mainly uh, the reinforcement learning, especially the offline reinforcement, uh, offline reinforcement learning, and also um, I um, previously I also worked on the problems related to complex systems and uh, and also the data driven methods in transportation applications. And but currently, currently my main major research interests are focused on the offline RL. And can you say uh, more about your RL work at JD Technology? Uh, okay, so basically in RL, uh, basically in JD Technology, I'm a, I serve as a researcher and a data science, scientist, and uh, I lead a small team. I used to lead a small team there and develop data-driven control optimization algorithms as well as uh, some of the other uh, AI algorithms for uh, industrial optimization problems, uh, such as the... Uh, such as this uh, thermal power uh, plant optimization work, which is uh, which is we use some of the our reinforcement learning techniques and to optimize the control strategy for the industrial systems. Can you tell us a bit uh, more about the Institute for AI Industry Research at Tsinghua University? And what are the main focus areas there? Uh, okay, so Institute for AI Industry uh, Research, or, or we also call it AIR. Is uh, basically it's a new research institute found in Tsinghua University last year, and uh, it's a new research institute. And its mission is to conduct cutting edge research that are transferable to industries, and we we want to solve the real industrial problems. And currently, the uh, the uh, AI industry research focuses on three research directions. Uh, the first is the AI for transportation, such as the autonomous driving, and also AI for healthcare. And also AI for Internet of Things, and uh, so basically, I joined Air July this year. Great. Okay, let's move to the main paper we're going to discuss today, and that is deep thermal combustion optimization for thermal power generating units using offline reinforcement learning. That is, first author yourself at all. Uh, yeah, and also I collaborate with uh, several uh, co-authors, and uh, which are uh, Hao Ran Xu and uh, Yue Zhang and uh, Yu Senhuo. And Xiang Yuju and uh, Hong Leying, and the last uh, last one is the uh, Yu Zheng. So I remember seeing this paper soon after it first came out. I'm not sure where that was, maybe on Twitter. Uh, but then I met you at your poster session during ICML 2021 Reinforcement Learning for Real Life Workshop, and I was immediately struck by the the scope of of what you were doing here. I don't think I completely uh, appreciated that the first time I encountered the paper, and and so I'm super glad uh, to have you on the show and to hear hear directly from you in more detail about this this exciting work. So so can you start us off with uh, with a brief overview of, of what's going on uh, in this paper? Uh, sure. So uh, in this work, so we develop a new data-driven AI system called a deep thermal, a thermal to optimize the control combustion efficiency of a real-world thermal power gener- generating units. Uh, for those who are not familiar with the thermal power generating units, or TPGU, uh, basically it's a central facility 
in a power plant that convert the chemical energy of the coal to electric power. And uh, it is a very complex and large uh, industrial system, and uh, which has uh, a size uh, almost like a 10-story building with lots of equipment and huge amount of sensors and uh, very complicated operation dynamics. So what we do is trying to optimize the combustion efficiency of a TPGU so that uh, we can achieve more sufficient combustion and also use less coal and uh, produce less emission and to generate the same amount of electricity. Uh, so the basically the problem we are dealing with is a high-dimensional continuous constraint control problem with a large partially with a large partially observed system, and uh, and also it's like because uh, the TPGU or thermal power generating units is a mission critical systems. So basically, we do not have the possibility to have interactions with the system during model training. So we need to uh, use the offline RL technique to solve this problem. And uh, and also in this paper, we develop a new model-based offline RL algorithm called MORE to solve this problem. And uh, uh, and we develop this uh, this system and we deploy it in the real-world power plants and uh, validate it. Uh, through a series of the field experiments. Awesome. Okay. And then in the paper, uh, it mentions that uh, this this is it's claiming that this is the first study that applies offline RL in a large, complex, real-world industrial control scenario uh, that the authors are aware of. And I guess I might have earlier pointed uh, back to DeepMind's HVAC system, their data center cooling system. Uh, though, as we heard from Natasha Jakes at the beginning of this podcast, that that system uh, wasn't wasn't actually deployed, but I think. Do you have any other comments on on that? On how how unique this the system is? Uh, okay, so at least from the uh, the Google's uh, New York IPS two thousand eighteen paper HVAC paper, I think their solution is really uh, isn't really using offline at all. But uh, basically, they learn a dynamics model from the data, and uh, also use the model predictive control MPC to perform the control. Uh, so it's mm. uh, I will say it's a model-based uh, control problem, and it is not using offline RL. I think using offline RL is uh, is is what we are what we do differently in this paper. Okay, and then before we get into more details here, um, I want to talk about the fact that we're dealing with coal plants here, and I, it's hard for me to discuss coal power plants without saying uh, we know that coal is is very dirty in terms of emissions and greenhouse gases, and for that reason, I, I do wish that there was there were no coal power plants uh, running. Uh, but there are, and uh, and I assume that 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 that's not your decision. But you're you're just here to optimize uh, the plants as they stand. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I I share most of the point with you because uh, actually the fact is like the policymakers in China has made a very clear plan to cut down coal-fired power plants in maybe next ten to twenty years, and uh, it is expected within twenty or to thirty years, and the ele- the electricity generation contribution of the coal power. In China, will reduce from the about sixty-five percent now to less than ten percent uh, in the future. So, but the the fact is, like to make this transition, you need to uh, you need a huge amount of uh, investment and uh, infrastructure infrastructure building. And uh, so, this cutting down coal fire uh, coal fired power plants will this process will take quite some time. I think our work here is mainly to make this transition process greener. And uh, so basically what we are doing is uh, trying to do what we can to help 
the transition process went to uh, using AI technique technique to make this this this, this process better. And so um, apparently you were able to achieve uh, improved per- performance on these plants. Can you can you talk about the uh, performance and, and how you measured it and evaluated it? And and you ran real world uh, tests uh, on your system. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So basically, we perform a series of uh, experiments, uh, both on the simulation environment as well as the real world uh, thermal power plants. And uh, the simulation is mainly for model selection, the validation. Uh, it's a it's a pre-selection and uh, some partial validation. And uh, and actually, we conduct a series and lots of real-world experiments on real-world power plants because the system is actually already deployed in four or five uh, real thermal power plants right now. And uh, for each power plant, actually, we conducted a series of human-in-loop before and after tests. Uh, so basically, it's, uh, the experience goes like this. And we first find a time slot and with a relatively stable uh, uh, load, say about uh, 300 megawatts, and we record the combustion efficiency, the emission, as well as other key performance indicators before the test. And during the experiment, so we ask the human operators to follow the optimized control strategies uh, provided by the RL agent to adjust the control of a TPGU. And we record the data every 10, maybe 5 to 10 minutes. And uh, the, the the experiments typically last for about half an hour to maybe 1.5 or two hours. And uh, we have uh, record all these results and we report some of the experiment results at different uh, load segments in a power plant. And we are able to achieve about 3.3% to 0.5% improvements on the combustion, combustion efficiency and also uh, reduces the nitrogen oxide emission. 0.3% sounds small, but actually it means a lot for thermal power plants because uh, a typical modern TPGU usually operates with a combustion efficiency around 92 to 94%. And it's already very high. So even you improve 0.5%, it's become very difficult. And if you can consistently achieve 0.5% increase, in the combustion efficiency, you can help the thermal power plants save about 3,000 tons of coal a year. Okay, and would you say that your agents uh, behaved significantly differently than, than a human operator would? Or was it was it kind of mostly doing imitation uh, in the end? Uh, okay, I will say uh, it depends because uh, actually we, we did run some experiments and to see when the agents behave differently than the human, when it behaves similarly. And we, we, we observed that, uh, at some of the, uh, uh, states with very, uh, relatively low, uh, combustion efficiency, uh, actually the RO agents give very different, uh, strategy compared to the human operator. For example, in one power plant, and, uh, uh, we, we, we find some of the several, uh, operating conditions, the regular human control strategies, uh, are not very good. For example, they will inject too much cold primary air. Or use unbalanced secondary air from the both sides of the burner, and which makes the fireball in the burner not forming the center. And uh, during this the, these conditions, and uh, the RL agents actually give very different control strategy. And uh, and actually, we think it's much more reasonable than the original human op- uh, human strategies. And but for other 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 cases, when the system operates well, and I think. Uh, the RL agents perform very similarly compared to a human operator. And then, is there any way to know what, how well a perfect controller could do in this in this type of problem? Like, 
like what do you think is the, the very peak efficiency that could be achieved if, if the RL controller was somehow perfect? Is there any way to know that? Uh, okay, so uh, I think this is a very problem because, uh, you know, it's the industry, the energy industry actually investigated the combustion uh, optimization problem for decades. And uh, uh, actually, right now, I think uh, their traditional conventional approach has reached a bottleneck because the the problem is very difficult. And the perfect controller or perfect con- control strategy are very, very hard to find because the situation and the the the, the environment is very complex. Uh, so uh, uh, from the very high level view, I will say uh, a good controller is, uh, at least for this problem, is to find a perfect proportion of the hot and the cold wind uh, into the burner and also accurately adjust a dozen of the secondary air valves as well as several other control variables. And uh, uh, it will be very difficult for human handcraft to human for to handcraft such uh, such a rule-based system. And uh, I think that's why we, uh, we we choose RL to solve solve this problem because it's a very complex system. And, uh, and most of most of the cases you are facing a very black box and to optimize. Uh, you, it's very hard to for a very conventional rule-based or conventional control strategy uh, control algorithms to solve this problem. And I think AI is probably the right direction uh, for this kind of hard problems. Can you tell us about uh, the Deep Thermal project overall? Like, how was this project uh, started? Uh, whose idea was this? And um, and kind of who was involved? Uh, okay, so the project was actually started when we were a group of the researchers at Microsoft Research Asia, and uh, later we moved to GD Technology. So when we were back in MSRA, so a senior manager at China Energy Group, uh, which is a very large state-owned energy company in China, contacted us and introduced the combustion optimization problem. And they say they, they have spent for years for solving this problem and uh, they have faced some bottleneck. And they are asking us to see if you can use some AI methods to solve this. And uh, at, the, at the beginning, we find this is a very interesting problem because it is challenging. And uh, also it solves a, a, a real world problem that can have, have a lot of social and environmental impact. Uh, and lastly, because uh, we can get a lot of real-world uh, industrial operational data, and uh, we have a place to test our model in a real-world TPGU. So it's a very good chance. So we brought this uh, this project to GD Technology and uh, uh, initialed the actual project for this. So the research and development of this project started in the beginning of the 2018, and uh, we almost spent a year to finish the first prototype, prototype and to test uh, test uh, the first generation of our model in the CGN Energy landing power plant in, uh, in I think it's in March 2019. And then later, we also spent a year to keep improving the model performance and uh, developing the uh, better solution. And right now, the, uh, the, the algorithm has become a product of the company, and we have deployed in five different power plants in China. And then was this a case where you applied uh, this more algorithm that you developed that you had developed in the past to this uh, to this problem? Or did you, you develop more specifically for the um, TGPU task? Uh, 
so basically, more is a central component of our AI system, deep neural. And uh, so, uh, for more itself, it's uh, it's a general purpose offline RL algorithm for the constrained Markov decision process problem. And uh, uh, it is a it is a, basically it's a new algorithm developed in this research, and uh, we use a model based offline RL framework. And uh, but of course there is a lot of engineering components in deep thermal, such as we also did a lot of feature engineering, uh, especially for the especially for the TPGU optimization task, and they also uh, added a lot of hard safety constraints to the outputs of the uh, uh, RL policy outputs uh, RL policy uh, optimized po policies. Uh, so more is actually the, the our previous version of the uh, offline RL algorithm using deep thermal. Right now we have a newer version and uh, probably more robust. And uh, uh, we, we 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 might write another paper for this. Okay, and I look forward to reading that. This paper mentions uh, over ten thousand sensors per TGPU. So there's a lot of sensors. That's a huge observation space. Can you tell us more about these sensors? And with that many sensors, do you have to worry about faulty uh, or missy, missing readings as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's correct. So basically, it's like the a TPGU is a very large infrastructure, and uh, it is uh, composed of uh, a lot of different equipments and a lot of sensors. And many of the sensors are actually monitoring the temperature of different parts of the TPGU. For example, the, the, the temperature of the air, the wind, the water, the cold particles, as well as the surface of the boilers and the water pipes, water and steam pipes. And there is also lots of uh, sensors monitoring the uh, air and the water pressure at different locations, and uh, as well as the volume of the air, the, the, the water and the vaporized, pulverized coals are also monitored. And uh, there's uh, some other uh, states like the uh, concentration of the emissions and uh, and uh, and uh, uh, the the current load of the of the TPGU, uh, such as etc. Basically, it's a lot of sensors, and uh, in many cases, for example, uh, uh, a certain location in a burner, there might be uh, several different uh, uh, temperatures uh, sensors. So what we do is like we have performed a series of data cleaning, filtering, and feature engineering to process raw data. Uh, for example, for many of the state, uh, such as uh, temperature, and uh, they, they might have multiple uh, sensors for the similar location. And we just uh, filter the uh, 40 ones and average the, the rest and uh, resample all the, all the state data into maybe 20 to 30 sec second intervals. And this actually helps to reduce the observation noise and some 40 readings from the data. Uh, so basically, the whole process is first uh, to perform a series of the outlier detection and the data filtering. And the second is some data engineering techniques to uh, make the, the sensor readings more stable and uh, accurate. And uh, these data are used in the training and uh, online inference for the RL agent. And then talking about the action space here, the paper mentions uh, seventy to one hundred continuous control variables. That's a lot of a lot of actions. Can you can you tell us more about what types of uh, of actions uh, are used here? Uh, okay, so basically, it's most of the uh, actions are the uh, adjustment of the valves and the baffles in the uh, in a TPGU. For example, you have a lot of valves for wind, for water. And for cold particles, and also you have the uh, baffles and valves for some of the wind blowers, 
this kind of uh, actions. So uh, for different TPGUs, because they might have different types of the boiler and burner and uh, other equipment. So the actions actually uh, ranges from the 30, 70 to 100. Uh, and all these are continuous variables. And uh, But some of the actions actually share the same operational mode. For example, uh, maybe two or three, uh, some actions might have the take the same value during the operation. So these actions are merged. Uh, so finally, so we, we merge some of the uh, key actions and uh, there are about 30 to 50 continuous actions actually goes to the RL model. And uh, it differs from uh, four different types of the TPGUs. Okay, and you had a human in the loop um, here interpreting the actions output by your agent. Is that, is that right? And, and was that... Um... Did that mitigate safety concerns? And was that ever uh, what is it? Was that ever needed uh, to mitigate? Like, did any safety concerns arise? Uh, yeah, it surely mitigates some safety concerns. But uh, because our work is actually a really new thing for the energy industry in China, especially using uh, a technique like RL for such a mission critical system control. Uh, so at the current stage, and uh, no one in the energy industry actually uh, dares applying such a new technology without any condition. So uh, uh, our beginning uh, step is actually to put a human in the loop, and we provide the optimized recommend, uh, action uh, policy uh, control strategy recommendations to a human, and they they operate on the actual systems. I think it's uh, basically it's a first step towards building uh, uh, such a new technology to uh, rel- relatively traditional. Uh, uh, industry, but uh, I think it it makes a very good case to to show that actually uh, AI can be used to such uh, mission critical decision making applications. And but it still, of course, it still has a long way to go, and we need to have built uh, more robust AI algorithms and for uh, the truly closed loop control. Can Can you say a little bit more about how your more algorithm uh, works in a bit more detail? Uh, what are the central components of of this algorithm? Okay, so the uh, so the more is basically a model based offline RL algorithm. Uh, so uh, uh, we choose the model based architecture uh, initially because uh, really, so we have the problem is a large scale problem. We have what we are dealing with a very high dimensional state space and action space. And uh, but our data is mainly one or two years operational data from uh, thermal power plants. So compared to the size of the optimization problems, the data is really not too much. So we first build a data-driven uh, opt- uh, simulator from the from this data and use this uh, simulator as a model to actually generate some imaginary uh, rollouts and uh, generate some simulated data to facilitate the RL algorithm training. and But since we are dealing with the offline RL algorithm, and uh, uh, what do we, the only reliable information is actually the data. And uh, the, the simulator is also learned from data, so it's not very reliable. Uh, so uh, the more actually the, uh, the key thing it does is actually to tackle the challenge be- between the offline policy learning and the constraints, and, uh, but with an imperfect simulator. Uh, so it tackles two problems here. First is like we, we are solving a control, constraint optimization problems. And where we need to make the optimized policy to satisfy the safety constraints. So in that sense, we introduce an additional cost critic, which is, uh, uh, like the cost, Q, uh, cost Q function. 
to model and enforce safety constraint satisfaction uh, of this optimization problems. And uh, and uh, for this for this problem, Moore actually uses uh, the clipped double queue technique and uh, by using two reward creative queue functions to penalize the uncertainty in the reward uh, reward uh, in the uh, in the reward queue function to alleviate the overestimation issue that commonly occur in the offline error. And for the cost critic uh, queue function, and uh, we perform queue evaluation to update this value. And uh, all this policy optimization is performed offline and with carefully combined real and simulated data. And that is the, uh, the, uh, the global picture. And uh, to address the offline learning, uh, basically you need to tackle about the uh, problem of the pro uh, potential problematic data introduced by the imperfect simulator. And so what we do is actually we introduce a new restrictive exploration strategy to fully utilize the generalizability of the simulator. But we, at the same time, we are not fully trust the data and the simulator. So we, we perform a series of uh, the data filtering and also the uh, data processing, simulated data processing to actually uh, to make the uh, simulated samples reliable during the training. So the restrictive exploration uh, strategy actually contains two steps. So we first uh, perform a model sensitivity-based filtering to filter out the simulated samples that the model is not certain or lack of prediction robustness. And then we measure the model sensitivity by injecting noises in the model input and compute the rise of the output perturbations. And if the model has very large sensitivity at some simulated samples, then these, these samples are filtered out. So the remaining samples are further evaluated based on the probability in the data distribution. And we split the data into uh, positive samples and if they belong to the high density region of the data and consider them as negative samples if they belong to the low density region uh, of the data or out of distribution data. And these uh, negative data and the reward of these negative, these ne negative samples are penalized and to avoid potential uh, exploitation error during the uh, RL training. And uh, so finally, so we construct a very special local buffer to combine both real positive and negative simple, simulated samples uh, in, a, in, a, in a repeat buffer. And we use that to, for, for the offline training. And we call it a hybrid, a hybrid training. And that is the overall uh, picture. So basically, it's uh, solving a constraint uh, optimization problems plus uh, also offline learning process. How do the constraints work? Like, what are those? What what types of safety constraints are you concerned with? Is it maximum temperatures or or, or a variety of things? Uh, yeah, it's basically a variety of things. So uh, we have a lot of we have some some. Uh, some temperature safety constraints, for example, it cannot exceed some of the safety threshold uh, for uh, the temperature for a certain part of the uh, the boiler. And also there is some pressure constraints. For, for example, the internal pressure of the, uh, of, the, of the burner should be kept negative unless it might have the chance to, uh, to for explosion. And also it's like the, the, the load generated by the, the TPGU must satisfy the demand load. So basically it's a, there is a naive solution that you just uh, reduce the coal, uh, coal used and uh, reduce the water. And so the amount of the coal consumption will drop, but you will not get enough electricity generated. 
So it's like a, a serious uh, constraint like this. And can you tell us about the reward in in this task? What is your agent trying to maximize? Uh, okay, so the reward for this problem is uh, prob- uh, pr- uh, is very straightforward. Uh, so basically, it's the composition of the uh, improvement in the combustion efficiency and also the reduction in the uh, nitrogen uh, oxide emission. And the combustion efficiency itself is a well-defined and uh, measured uh, quantity and in the energy industry. So we directly use that. And, uh, and also it's like we measure the decrease of the emission, uh, uh, nitrogen oxide emission. And uh, it is also paired with the combustion efficiency increase, uh, in, uh, uh, combustion efficiency. So basically we are, uh, so what we are trying to do is we want to maximize the combustion efficiency while control or reduce the nitrogen oxide emission. How do you approach exploration here? Uh, I gather you you don't you try not to do exploration in the in the real world, but do you try to explore in the simulator? How does how does exploration work? Uh, okay, so basically it's like we we are trying to do minimum exploration because it's a offline RL problem. And uh, so basically, it's like from the data, you really do, do not do any exploration and you mainly do exploitation. And uh, for, uh, from the sim- uh, simulator or from the model, actually, we, we do some, we do some, uh, uh, some, some rules from using the model. But it's like we, uh, we, we kept, we, we actually filter out a lot of data, that out of data distribution. So I would say it's like the, uh, the exploration is not really uh, a main thing in this, in this work and the mainly about exploitation. Is there, is there any hope of, uh, or did you look at, or do you maybe plan to look at transfer learning uh, to generalize across different plants? Or is that maybe a, a more distant goal? Or is it, is it really about uh, treating each plant as its own uh, task? Uh, okay, so uh, basically we are treating each plant as a different task because uh, usually in different power plants, the actual configuration and the equipment of a TVGU is very different. And for example, they might have different boilers and they have different kind of the burners and they have different wind blowers. So basically there is really uh, not, not a lot of things that can transfer. And also even in some cases and uh, the sensors are deployed at different locations of the of the TPGU. Uh, so it's like if you're trying to do transfer learning, so it's it actually become a more challenging task. So what we do is actually we're trying to uh, uh, extract the maximum information from the single power plant and just to use that information to train a RL agent uh, offline. And uh, I was going to ask if you considered the problem solved, but you, you had mentioned that you're working already on the next version. Um, can, can you say, share anything with us about the next version, or would you prefer that we wait uh, wait for the next paper? Uh, yeah, I will just uh, have some brief talk uh, discussion about this. So I, I do not think this is a well-solved problem, and, and I would say it's ongoing work. And we did achieve some improvements in human loop control, but our final goal is actually to do the closed loop control. And uh, so what we are doing and uh, what we are trying to solve right now is uh, actually uh, several uh, main improvements for uh, for similar offline RL algorithms. For, for example, we want to do a simple efficient offline RL, for example, because the data in uh, power plant 
may, might not be that much, and we want to use the uh, this small small amount of data to still train a very reliable RL agent. And also, it's like the generalizability is, uh, plays a key issue in offline RL. And uh, if we want to really have a very good performance uh, policy, so you need to go beyond the current data set. So that also requires your RL agents to have better generalizability. And also, it's like since we are developing the deploy the model in the real real world power plant, we we might get a chance to collect the new data after they they use the policy we provided. And uh, how to use this new data and combine it with the uh, old uh, old uh, offline RL uh, uh, model and to do offline to online or deploy efficient RL is also another direction we are looking at. And uh, lastly, it's like the robustness. So because uh, a lot of sensors in the uh, uh, in a, in a industrial equipment might have some noises, so you need to make sure your policy is very robust to the noisy input. And that is also uh, what we do in the next version. So that we, we introduce some of the adversarial training during the R policy learning to make the policy more robust. And we did see uh, it produces more stable, uh, uh, optimized policies. Okay, I look. I I really look forward to to reading all about your your next version, uh, as this one's already massively impressive accomplishment here. But uh, going forward for you, what does the future look like? And I guess you're going to continue working in this area of, of industrial RL. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, so basically, I, I shifted from the GD technology to the um, uh, to uh, Tsinghua University, and but I'm still collaborating with my previous team. On the uh, on using the offline RL or other data-driven decision-making methods to solve industrial control problems, and back in Tsinghua University, so basically I will I'm also looking at uh, applying offline RL to more diverse areas such as autonomous driving and uh, uh, health healthcare recommendations uh, such as th- th- this kind of problems. Uh, but I think it's like uh, the main focus uh, currently I am, I'm, 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 I'm working on is actually to see if we can develop better offline algorithms. For example, with better simple efficiency and better generalizability, that has the potential to better solve the real-world problems. So you're in uh, maybe a rare position where you have uh, worked on both sides, you know, both, both in the U.S. at Purdue and also Microsoft and uh, and and working in China and Tsinghua. Could you do you have any comments on how approach to AI uh, may differ between uh, U.S. and the West and and in China? Uh, yeah, I think the the, the AI research in U.S. is uh, has a very good uh, environment to encourage innovation, and also where uh, you can do a lot of theoretical and also some innovations in the. Developing new methods to solve a diverse uh, aspect of problems, and but in China, I think the one advantage here is like uh, first is uh, uh, it's it's AI is actually is like uh, considered highly in the in the country and uh, also has a lot of investment and also is like is like uh, I think a lot of uh, con- con- uh, conventional uh, traditional industry. Industries such as energy industries and other industries are more willing to try some of the AI solutions. You know, in the U.S. and uh, maybe the uh, new AI applications are uh, 
mainly carried out by the big tech companies in China. So many of the uh, people from the other industries are are willing to reach out and to try something new. I think it's uh, uh, I think it's, it's you have the, some more flexibility to do some of the uh, the things that are that are uh, I think that that are interesting. But in the U.S., I think you have a, a lot of regula- regulations, and uh, maybe you can you can do a lot of things uh, inside a big company. But uh, to have to deploy some of the experimental uh, stuff uh, research without. Uh, without really a lot of support from the to develop something new, I would say. So it might be not not as flexible as in China. So besides your own work, uh, are there other things happening in RL that you find uh, quite interesting these days that you'd want to comment on? Uh, okay, so I think oh, very uh, because I'm mainly working on the offline RL problems. So I think one of the, uh, the 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 key issue I'm looking at is to actually to see how the generalizability uh, of offline RL can be improved because offline RL you, you are basically solving a very restrictive uh, problem with a very uh, under a very restrictive setting and you cannot be on the go beyond the data to actually exploit exploit on the unknown part but it's like to be for a flyer to be really useful in the real world deployment you need to actually to make reasonable inference and to maybe use the model generalizability to actually predict or uh, infer on something you you don't know whether it's unknown data or it's uh, the situation for another task so I think it's uh, one thing I'm, I'm I think is very important and worth looking is to Really, to improve the generalizability of the R algorithm, as well as the generalizability of the neural network models used in the RL, and I think this is a very important. And uh, uh, I'm really interested in. And also, it's like uh, I, th- I think combining causal inf- reasoning in the RL is also a very interesting direction because uh, most of the uh, R algorithm we are carrying out today is basically based on the Q learning. So basically, you are performing the inference on the Q table or Q function. And that is uh, some a lot of times not enough to solve uh, complex problems because most of uh, the real-world problems are not the single-step Markov decision process problems. Uh, they might have the multi-step uh, interactions and uh, some other compli- com- very complex dynamics. And uh, I think if you if one can just... Uh, Perform very good cost reasoning in the R algorithm. I think that is can greatly improve the performance of the of the algorithm, and also you can greatly improve the generalizability as well as the sample efficiency. And the last thing is like uh, actually, so what I'm trying to uh, even working on today uh, right now is actually to combine contrastive learning uh, into the offline RL to enhance the sample efficiency and also to make the to make the most information out of the limited data. Is there anything else that uh, you'd want to mention uh, today or that I that I should have asked you about uh, today? Uh, yeah, so maybe I just add one point. It's like, I think offline RL is a very promising area and uh, we can really use it to solve a lot of things. And uh, for example, it's like a lot of world, real world problems actually do not have a simulator, perfect simulator. Or it's impossible to build a simulator, and uh, the real-world collection of data 
is very expensive or prohibitable. So I think it's uh, in that case, it's like if we have the right amount of data and we can do offline RL and uh, and we can make the RL uh, really workable in the real world. And I think that is a, a very good uh, direction. And uh, But also it's like uh, we have a lot of huge amount of open questions for open problems for offline RL. And, uh, and I think it still worth a lot of effort in developing better offline RL algorithms to make more, to produce more reliable policies to solve the real world problems. And I think that that still needs a lot of effort. And also it's like, but it will be a very meaningful uh, thing to make RL really workable in real life. Professor Zhang, uh, on behalf of myself and our listeners, I want to thank you uh, so much for sharing your time and your insight with the Talk RL community today. Thank you. Thank you. Notes and links for this episode are at talkrl.com. If you like this show, I need your support. You can help in a few ways. One, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Subscriptions make a big difference. Two, follow us on Twitter at talkrlpodcast. We love retweets. Three, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you don't think we deserve five stars, let us know on Twitter what we could do better. 